I'm going to talk to you tonight about witnessing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Most of you are pretty familiar with that verse. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The text verse for this is actually Luke chapter 8, verse 39. You know the story, most of you, of the Gadarene maniac. And when I went over to Israel, they took us over to the area. There's only one place in the Sea of Galilee where there's a cliff. There's only one place. And that's on the uh, east side. It's not a very large area, but it, the, 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 the land comes up, you know, and there's kind of a sheer cliff there. And that's where the... It had to be the place where all those swine, after they were demon-possessed, ran themselves off into the Sea of Galilee and were choked or drowned. It had to be the place. It's powerful to go over there and to go to those places that you absolutely know are the place this happened. And, and Jesus delivered this brother, really an undeliverable brother. If he can deliver that Gadarene maniac, he can deliver anybody. Let's read about that. What is that in the Bible for? It's to show you that if he can deliver the gathering maniac, he can deliver anybody. Your sin is not too deep, too far, too wide that he can't deliver you from the clutches of evil. And so he delivers him. He's in his right mind, fully clothed, sitting with Jesus. And then when Jesus goes to leave, it would make sense that he would want to go with Jesus, right? I mean, he just got delivered from all these demons that were called legion because they were many. And He's lived a horrible life. And what Jesus say to him is in Luke chapter 8, verse 39, he says, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And show how great things God hath done unto thee. Notice that. He went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things, things Jesus had done unto him. Interesting that Jesus sends him back first to his own house, to his relatives. The people that knew him the most, the hardest group of people to witness to are your family. Because they've, they've discredited you by familiarity. Familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor except among his own family and among his own kinfolks. Prophet doesn't have honor among his own family. But he has honor everywhere else, but not among his own family. Jesus said that himself. And Jesus, they didn't honor him. when He, was, he couldn't do many miracles among them because they didn't believe. A little bit of faith. It's amazing. Because they knew him. They said, don't we know his dad? Isn't his dad a carpenter? Isn't... Uh, Easy now. Isn't, isn't, uh, don't we know his brothers? Aren't his brothers among us and his sisters among us? And, oh, Mother Mary had more children? Yes, she did. She had at least probably eight children. She had children back then. No birth control. Had children as many as God give you. She had a lot of children. And evidently Joseph died. The tradition has it Joseph along the way there died because he's not mentioned after at a certain place in Scripture, he's not ever mentioned again. She's mentioned, but the, and the kids are mentioned, but he's not mentioned, so evidently he got to go on. She had more children. And so uh, Jesus says to him, he says, 
Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, Matthew 4.19. Couple that with what he told the Gadarene, former Gadarene maniac. Go back to your house. Just tell them what I've done for you. People make witnessing too hard. Now, I know we got programs, you know, we teach you how to, how to share the faith, and you got you memorize like, you know, 10 scriptures maybe, and you can memorize, actually you can share the gospel with five scriptures. But even, even if you only know one scripture, John 3, 16, you can at least share that. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can do that. Maybe memorize John, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13, maybe only 9 and 13, but you memorize some of the Bible, Romans 5, 8, and maybe 5, 8 through 10, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. You go through places and you start to memorize Scripture, but before all that, before you even know the Bible, the gathering maniac has no chance to know the Bible. He hasn't memorized any scripture because the only scripture he had would have been the Old Testament. And that was really hand copied out and it was only at the synagogue or at Jerusalem. It was real, real, real rare and very hard to come by and it wasn't just everywhere. And the average person couldn't go. You, you can go home tonight. I want to open the Bible, check it out. You can do that. What a privilege. Man, don't forget the privilege of that. That we have the Bible readily available to us, not only in print, but electronically and on the web and just anywhere you want to go, you can find a Bible and you can find good reading about the Bible, about anywhere you want to go. Those folks, think think where they were at. They, they didn't have that. He tells his gathering maniac, go home and tell them what great things God's done for you. That's what witnessing is about. Do you remember tonight what it was like to be saved. Now, for some of you, that's going back 50, 60 years, 70 years. With me, I really trusted Christ as my Savior in the back seat of a Chevy going down Cassopolis Street or Cassopolis and Bristol Cross in Elkhart, Indiana. And it was about 1957. Long time ago, but I still remember well sitting in the back seat and asking my mom, about being saved, and I said, you know, if I die, I'm going to go to hell. I had already sinned way more, uh, plenty, plenty to go to hell by that time, five years old. And so, do you remember? Man, never forget what God, the great things, the great things that God has done for you. The trouble with us is that we grow cold with time. And it's, it's a you know, it's the same old, same old. And I've told my testimony a thousand times. And you want to act like your testimony has somehow lost its power because you've told your testimony a, a hundred times or two hundred times or you somehow feel in your mind that it, your wife may even say, oh, man, not that again. Maybe your wife won't do that. But I mean, you know, your testimony never gets old, never. It's always a miraculous, fantastic thing that God births you into his family through the faith in the blood of Christ and his, 
death, burial, and resurrection. And now your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life, and he's gone to prepare a place for you. And, and the Holy Spirit now is indwelling you and never to leave you. Man, don't let that get old. You first get saved. I notice people that are first saved, newly saved, go around. They almost can't keep their mouth shut. Hey, you know what? I got saved. That's what we lose. That's what we lose. You want to know why we're, we don't witness really in the degree that Jesus would have us to witness is because we allow that flame that you had when you were first saved to get die down and to get kind of boring. But it's not boring. To the people who have never heard what, you, what happened to you, it's not boring to them. They're like, wow, you really got saved. I find it, ha I'm talking to you, but I'm testifying tonight of what happened also, the tendency that I've struggled with is to, to get so used to being a Christian and so used to the Bible that I forget that the unsaved are out there without any idea Donald Barnhouse was a commentator, long gone. He said, here's what he said. We are, all of, we are all of us to be witnesses, no matter what our other calling, profession, or labor is. A generation ago, there was a wealthy man, he said, in the Midwest, who was an outstanding Christian layman. People used to ask him what he did, and here's what he would reply. He would say, I'm a witness for Jesus Christ, but I pack pork to pay expenses. Well, they say, well, Brother Nick, what are you? Now, Nick's got a lot of titles. Man, he's got a lot of titles. He's dock master, dock builder, contractor, sea captain, entrepreneur, philanthropist, cook, chef. But his greatest title of all that is, I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. That should be on the first of your list. Brother Tom Gillespie's highly educated. Man, he's at the top of his game, 75 years old, veterinarian, and top of his game. But the thing he needs to keep at the top of his list is, I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. And to make a living, I take care of animals. To generate income, I take care of animals. Amen? Oh, man, when you go out to people, talk about Jesus. Let's talk it up about Jesus. There's no real super secret about being a witness other than just talking it up about Jesus. Tell them what great things God's done. Well, I don't seem to great. Well, let me tell you, it was great when you got saved. It was great when you got saved. Well, I didn't get saved out of a life of wickedness and sin. Well, neither did I at five years old. I mean, five-year-old, what have they done? Well, they've done, they've lied, they've stolen, they've cheated. They've, I can name a list, but, but typical five-year-olds not going out and gotten on drugs or been immoral or done some of the other sins that people do. Maybe not cussed yet, though I think I did probably by that time. But, but I can tell you one thing. I was on my way to hell, and he allowed me to come to go to heaven, and that's big. He forgave all my sins, and he, he dwelled in me and never, never said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. The title of this sermon I get from Paul Harvey. Here's the, here's the title. Too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. We're not here to maintain ourselves. 
We're, we didn't get saved so we could get saved and that would be really good. We got saved so that other people could get saved. We got saved so we could be a witness. He says you're the light of the world. He says, you know, just salt. Go out there and show people the light. You say, well, what if I stammer? What if I stutter? And what if I do? You can't blow it. You really can't lose with the stuff we use. You can't lose. You say, well, I, I, I didn't do very well. You did great. Tell them that Jesus saved you. Well, how did he save you? He said, I don't know, but I got saved. He forgave all my sins. Well, can you show me? No, I can't show you where, but man, I got saved. That may be enough to get the curiosity of somebody up and say, want to get in the Bible, want to find out how, how you get saved. May want to go on the internet and type in, how do I get saved? Well, you type in how you get saved on the <clears throat> internet. You, you'll find out how to get saved. Christianity, according to William Barclay, another commentary says, Christianity is something which is meant to be seen. As someone has well said, there can be no such thing as a secret discipleship. For either the secrecy destroys the discipleship or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. Oh, I like that. You can't be a secret disciple of Jesus Christ. It'll destroy you. You're, you're being disobedient to the Great Commission. I, I, I say it, <clears throat> that we have a, I, I get the term from, I don't want to tell you where I get the term, but a prime directive. I like the term, prime directive. We have a prime directive to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But forget, forget going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Forget going to all nations, teaching them, baptize them. How about just remember what he told the God remaining at? Just go home and tell people, <clears throat> what great things God's done for you. You can be a witness to the waitress. You can be a witness to the people you go bump into during the week. Uh, the gospel tracts just facilitates that, you know. You give the gospel tracts out, just facilitates all that. <clears throat> the life of the church of Jesus Christ is a willingness of her people to share the experience of saving faith with somebody else. That's a lifeblood of who we are. We're not, I can put it this way, we're not here to keep a museum. We're not here to display Christianity to be woo, admired and looked at. We're here to convert, see old sinners converted to Christ. <clears throat> to see people converted. Many churches are struggling, going backward in some cases. At least one of the reasons for that could be, and maybe not the lack of preachers, not the lack of deacons, not the lack of population, not the lack of facilities, not the lack of money, maybe not, not even the lack of freedom or the lack of knowledge, but the sheer lack of courage to obey God and just brag about Jesus. Just tell people Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The Bible is the way to go, Jesus saves. That Muslim that I confronted going door to door, you say, well, did you do any good? <clears throat> I can know one thing. The Holy Spirit of God in me led me to tell him that, and I can just tell you that was what needed to be said to that young man. So if he's ever going to be saved, that could be like, you know, it says people have to hear the gospel to get bumped to the gospel 7.6 times before they get saved. Now, that statistic's wild. But I, um, uh, how to share your faith without an argument. That's a statistic he gives in the booklet. 
7.6 times. Well, maybe I was just number one time with that little Muslim man. I say little, he was short. He looked at me like, you got nothing to tell me. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, I do. Jesus saves. I went through the word of God and came up with kind of a situation of military draft. God has drafted us into his service. You know, when Uncle Sam, back in the Vietnam War, when Uncle Sam gave you the draft papers, World War II, by the way, same thing, Korean War, same thing. When they sent you them draft papers, they weren't asking you whether you wanted to be part of the military. It was like, show up at a certain place at a certain time or you're going to jail. Some of our people in Vietnam, they got it really like, they really began to like Canada. And a lot of them, uh, we call them draft evaders. They would go up to Canada and try to get away from the draft. Bill Clinton, others like him. They'd try to get away from the draft. Well, I think God's drafted you and me. I don't think it's voluntary. I think he's drafted us. He told us, he told us, gathering many, we got our commission. I just talked about that. Go home, tell people, go everywhere you know, tell people the great things God's done for you. You can forget Mark 16, 15, or forget Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Just go home and tell people about Jesus. Reminds me of an illustration here in um, D.L. Moody years ago. One, a guy rose in one of their meetings and was talking about for the last five years, he'd been having a mountaintop experience with God. And D.L. Mooney says, uh, uh, in the last five years, have you witnessed anybody? And he says, well, I, I, I don't know. And he says, have you, have you witnessed? Have you given the gospel to anybody in the last five years? And the guy said, well, I'm not sure. And D.L. Mooney says, we don't need those kind of mountaintop experiences. When a man gets so high that he can't reach down and save poor sinners, there's something wrong, and I quote. That's D.L. Mooney. Don't get so spiritual. We, we have a deeper life conferences, and those I'm not against all of that. I'm not deeper life conferences. As long as deeper makes you go wider. You know, deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. If you go deeper with Christ, it shouldn't make you dry up. It shouldn't make you a prude. It shouldn't make you where you don't ever tell anybody about Christ because you're just so deep about it. I've had a guy tell me, well, you could never lead anybody to Christ if you didn't have an hour or hour and a half to be able to explain the gospel to them. Man, tell that to the uh, thief on the cross. You can simply simply tell people what happened to you. Tell them all. There's no lose, and do the best you can. Give them a gospel track. Stutter, stammer. You may not see much happen. You know what I believe in? You know why I pass tracks out? You know why I keep trying to be a witness? Because I believe that God's with me. Do you believe God's with you? Do you believe God has put the forces, all his power, the blessed Holy Spirit, the word of God, he's put his power in what he said for you to do? He hasn't just told us to go out there and desert us, right? He told us to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He told us to teach all nations. He told us to go home and tell people about Jesus, tell them what great things God done for you. And then he goes with us. But not only does he go with us, he goes ahead of us. I believe people I'm going to bump into tomorrow is God-ordained, supernatural. 
I don't, you know, that's another thing is be aware that where you're going is not just hap chance, that God Almighty's working a plan to get you to the people that you can be a witness to. Follow me, he said. I'll make you fishers of men. So we have our commission. Secondly, we have our duty. Duty. How's duty play into this? Duty is doing what's right when it doesn't feel good. My dad, World War II, got drafted. He joined the Marine Corps, went to basic training. They shipped him over to, on a ship over to uh, Saipan. They, they uh, got him into these LSTs, were full of men, full of men, had a big door in the front, and they started going in a circle. And then, once, then they, they started peeling off of that circle into the shore, bombs blowing up everywhere. Everybody's, the ships are shooting them big old guns over the top of their head. Everybody said it was the craziest thing. People getting seasick. It was chaos. Waves hitting, water coming up on them. They had almost 90 pounds. He had a BAR, Browning Automatic Rifle, which was 70 pounds on itself, I guess. It weighed 70 pounds with ammunition. And then they, hit, they finally hit the shore. The, the bullets hitting the door, boom, 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 bing, 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 like bumblebees. He said they were going over the top of, the, of, the top of them, hitting the door. And pretty soon they knew the door was going to go down. He said men were talking, men were crying out for their mothers. These are tough Marines. And as soon as the door went down, he said the sound of a bullet hit, hitting a human being. He says there's a special sound. Thud, 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 thud. These guys were crying out, falling into the front. He, he said if he didn't move, and the, and the, the, uh, the um, sergeant behind him said, you're not going to live forever, go forward. He was wrong about that. We're going to live forever somewhere. They jumped over those people that went down in the front row, and they hit the water, and he said it was right up to here. And he said, with all that weight, you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, bullets are hitting the water around you. You're trying to make it to the shore. You finally, he said, when he got to the shore, it was solid blood. The whole first 10 feet of the water was solid red blood of the men that had been before him. He was the fourth wave. There had been three waves before him. What makes people do that? Duty. Duty, people. Duty, duty. They were doing that for a temporal thing, to save their country, which is temporal. We, on the other hand, have a commission that's an eternal commission to go into the world and preach the gospel to every Christian, uh, every creature. And we have a duty before God because you've been saved and your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you've been delivered from sin and all that involved, that involves we have a duty to do what we don't feel like doing, what we don't enjoy doing. Let me say this. I don't go door to door because I enjoy going door to door. My wife doesn't go door to door because she enjoys going door to door. Now, we have some enjoyment. Enjoyment, by the way, comes with practice and comes with going over and over. And there is some enjoyment to it. I'm not trying to say it's totally, but you're bus calling. And you're calling at night, you used to do all that phone calling at night and all that other stuff you guys do to get these kids. A lot of that is, you're not doing that because it's really fun to do. Wow, that's really fun. Riding a hot bus in July, woo, for an hour getting soaking wet, that's blast. That's a blast. That's hot. Why? 
duty. Oh, that God would give us a sense of duty. I owe the Lord Jesus Christ my all. Like a soldier has a love for his country and he understands the duty to his country. Without his country, he'd have been nothing. So he's willing to put himself at risk for his country. How much more you and I put ourselves at risk? Man, get off of I don't like it. I don't, it doesn't feel good. Somebody came to me and says, I don't like to get sweaty. I just want to do a somersault, throw myself up and down and scream like a madman. Is that where we're at? You get sweaty and you don't want to be a witness for Christ? All I can tell you, you're going to suffer loss when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ who did not stop because he was suffering. He sweat as the word drops of blood. He went through the suffering. He did his duty. His duty was to save us, even though his will was not to, not my will, let this cup pass from me. I get you guys, that you people, hey, I'm shy. I know you don't believe that. I've had to beat through all of that shyness and all of those horrible feelings of my gut. I've had people come door to door and they get sick to their stomach and, 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 I, and, that, and they say, man, preacher, I get so nervous, I get sick to my stomach. I said, that's beautiful. Throw up and keep going. For Jesus. Hey, well, you say, that's crazy, preacher. Oh, is it? We played football, and my coach said, if you get sick, just go over there and throw up. Come on back in. For football. I used to have helpers, in my, and I hired people to help me lay carpet. My helper would get, say, oh, man, I feel sick today. Look, I said, I can't do this job without you. Go over there, throw up. Come back and work sick, but work. We've gotten so lily-livered pansy, pink lemonade, soft. Now, you know, it's just a decision. That's all it has to make. You make a decision say, I'm going to be a witness for Christ no matter what I feel like. No matter what I what happens to me, if I go on a door and a guy takes a double barrel shotgun and cuts me in half, I'm going to get to go to heaven. Quit worrying what's going to happen and do, do the will of God. Duty. Duty. You have a commission. You have a duty. General Eisenhower, most of you remember him? General Eisenhower once rebuked one of his generals for referring to a soldier as just a private. My dad was private first class. That's what most of those guys that died on the beach were, private first class. He reminded him that an army could function better without its generals than without its privates. I like that, man. He said, I quote, if this war is won, it will be won by privates. In the same way, the common, ordinary, one-talented Christian are the very backbone of the church. People come to me and say, Preacher, I don't have much talent. You don't only have to have one talent. Can you speak? Can you recite Scripture? Can you read Scripture? Can you 
represent what Christ has done for you, then you're ready. You qualify. The war is going to be won by ordinary Christians willing to get out and do what God has asked them to do. So we have a commission. We have a duty. Thirdly, we have authority. We have authority. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you know the verse. But she shall receive power, dynamite. That's the word for dynamite. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's this area we're in now. From them, this is the uttermost part of the world. We're, we're doing the uttermost part of the world, part of that commission. All the power of heaven is behind you when you, when you desire to be a witness and will obey God and be a witness. All heaven wants every man, woman, and child to be a fisher of men. You're not alone. Acts chapter 2, verse 8, interesting verse, says, On my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days, speaking of these days, <coughs> of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. God's given us his spirit to help us. I've been before people trying to defend the gospel and had no idea where it was coming from. Have you ever quoted a scripture and you didn't even know you knew it? I mean, I've got before people and been challenged on something and had a scripture come to my mind that I hadn't thought about in ages and, and was able to quote it. God's there. Amen. God's helping you. You're not alone. You can't do it. Remember, when you say you can't do it, what you're really saying is, I'm not trying to be mean tonight. But when you say to God, I can't do it, you're saying, I won't do it. I won't do it. Because he's behind you. And he's giving you the commission. And he's giving you the duty. And he's giving you the power. Why can't you do it? I just can't do it, preacher. I just can't do it. This person that got sick to their stomach every time they came to visit, pretty soon they came and no more sick to their stomach. No more, you know, have you ever been so nervous you've been sick to your stomach? People get sick to their stomach. Sometimes they pass out when they get real nervous. I've done enough weddings to know that. You've got to keep your eyes on the bridegroom. And if I was him, after she walked down the aisle, I'd be nervous too. But anyway, so we have our commission, we have our duty, we have our power, and we have our uniform. I heard that Brother Wisp has been talking a little bit about the armor of God. Well, that's what I'm going to talk about. I preached a sermon years ago called Holy Streakers. How many remember the Holy Streakers? Raise your hand. My wife, Nick. You remember? You got a fabulous memory. Holy Streakers. What's a Holy Streaker? That's somebody running around just with a helmet of salvation, nothing else. Having your loins girt about with truth and your breastplate of righteousness. Feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shield of faith. Sword of the Spirit. Helmet of salvation. Some people, I think, just they just got the helmet of salvation. They got saved, but they got nothing else. They don't want anything else to do with God than that. I just want to go to heaven. I'm glad I get to go to heaven. Woo! No, he wants you to put the whole armor of God on. That means all of it. From foot to head. Put it on. When you go door to door, you want to... Part of the reason I believe people, some people don't be a witness, and not just door to door, but other forms of witnessing, is because they've got sin in their life and they're afraid if they go out witnessing, they're going to get torn up. 
Well, it would be a good idea to get right with God. It'll help you stay right with God, by the way. It'll help you stay right with God to go out and start confronting people with the gospel. Let me tell you, when churches have trouble, I'm not talking about this church, but when churches have trouble, most of the time it's from people who aren't doing anything for God. It's from looky-loos. It's from spectators. It's not from the people on the field. It's not from the people in the game. It's not from the players who are out there sweating and, 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 and uh, slugging it out with the devil. It's from people that are, that are a, a grandstand critics. It's easy to say, oh, he didn't take that football and throw it quite right, or he should have backed up. You never threw the first football. You never played the first professional game. Who in the world are you to be criticizing those boys? Get out there in the field, see what happens. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but it comes easy. No, I don't mean to be mean. I'm talking to myself. I mean it. The happy Christian man, a Christian that's doing the will of God, is a happy Christian. Now, you notice I haven't talked about people getting saved. Here's why. I've talked about witnessing tonight. Everybody can be a witness. Everybody. Noah was a good witness. 120 years, he was his preacher of righteousness, was a good witness. How many people got saved? Seven beside himself. Do you think, I was telling my wife this week, do you think Noah, when he was building that thing, thought, boy, there's going to, I got to make places for a lot of people. I mean, wouldn't you? You're building this 500 and some odd foot boat four stories high. You got places for animals. You got, but I, would, I think it would, I would, if I was Noah, I'd say, well, we got to make a buck. We got to make, woo, we may have four or 5,000 people show up and want to come with us. Do you think he would have rejected them? No, he'd, he'd let him come on in. Come on in, man. You want to come on in? Come on in. This is a safe haven. It's going to flood. They wouldn't even believe him. They mocked him and, and, and wouldn't even get to the place that would come onto the boat. Was Noah a failure with God? No, Noah was a success with God. He did what he said he was going to do. He was a witness to his generation. And it wasn't his fault that only seven of them got saved. And I'm never going to fault somebody that's out there, out there slugging it out, giving the, witness, giving the gospel to people. If they witness their whole life and nobody gets saved, they've done the will of God. Missionaries go to fields like Scotland, and they may get somebody saved every four years. Japan, I had a Japanese missionary tell me, if you get two people saved in four years, that's massive, huge. One year, the best year he ever, the best four-year term he ever had, four people got saved. It's hard. By, by, by majority, the Japanese people rejecting the gospel. The, the Scottish people rejecting the gospel. The European people seem to be rejecting the gospel. The uh, uh, English people even are now rejecting the gospel in, in, a, in large numbers. I'm not blaming the missionaries for no fruit. I'm saying glory to God, hallelujah, you're over there slugging it out. I'm not going to be in the grandstands criticizing you. I'm going to be on the field giving you some water. Go at it. Keep telling, keep telling people. So that's what you can't lose. You can't lose. We did the bus ministry when we got 200 people on Sunday. We're doing the bus ministry. We've done the bus ministry down. I think it was like down to 23 on New Year's Day or something like that. That's the lowest I ever saw it. Lois, I ever saw the bus ministry in all the years I've been here was uh, this last 
New Year's Day. I would lie to you if I didn't tell you I'd want to get back to 200. But we're still doing what we always have done. We're trying to be a witness for Christ and tell people, hey, come to church, hear about the, hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd like to tell you about him. We'd like to tell you Jesus saves. That's a lot. And the people oftentimes that criticize you aren't doing it. They aren't doing anything. Don't you criticize people that are out there trying to slug it out, trying to give the gospel. You say, well, they didn't give it out quite right. It's not how quite right it is. It's the fact that they hear the name of the Lord Jesus. There are people in the world that are not, never have heard the name of Jesus. At least we're giving them the name of Jesus and a whole lot more than that. Amen, a whole lot more. We tell them about the Lord Jesus. He saves and can birth you into his family, forgive you of your sin. We have a commission, we have a duty, we have power, and we have a uniform, the whole armor of God. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. I believe he is. Because what I'm preaching about tonight is the very heartbeat of God. It is the very heartbeat of where he wants you to go. Jesus came so that you could be saved. But how can they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing. And so it makes sense to me that he's forgetting the value of the death of his son is based on whether people hear about it. And our, our job as born-again believers is to tell people Jesus saves. One way or another, tell them Jesus saves. The Bible's true. Stutter it, stammer it, sing it, whatever you got to do, give them a gospel track, help them all you can. But I'm going to say this, at least you're pushing them towards the light. Because the world and the devil and the flesh are pushing them to hell with all he can. May the Lord help us to get a grip on this and to just get rid of the excuses and say, I'm going to be a witness for Jesus. Father, help us tonight. Help us, help us. Please come with the Holy Spirit of God. Do mighty work here, mighty work. Oh God, please burden us. Don't let us sleep. Don't let us have peace until we're doing your will as being a witness, as you told the Gadarene maniac, to tell people what great things God's done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947-1285. Thank you and God bless.